Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenway continues our series, Emotions, where we'll talk about what Christians should do with their emotions. We look at Mark 14, verses 32 through 42, where Jesus experiences sorrow and anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane. Dallas talks about how we can learn from Jesus and how he handles anxiety by talking to others, talking to God, and talking to our emotions. We hope you enjoy this message. This week we are in Emotions Week 2, and uh, and maybe in, in some way your emotions or just like how you're feeling right now, maybe you needed these three songs that we, that we sang this morning, just those reminders of truth. It's actually something that we're talking about this morning. Uh, it's, it's kind of the last, hey, what do we do with our emotions or the particular emotion we're talking about, which is anxiety. It's kind of the last piece of that that we're talking about this morning. That's it's talking to your emotions, replacing lies with what's true, and and that's what happens sometimes for us in song. Is that hey, no matter what what you're going through, no matter what your family's going through, uh, re- being reminded that we are children of God and nothing can change that. Or maybe this whole week you've just felt like, man, is there anybody who cares about me or cares for me? Is there anybody who has my back? And so that last song uh, of re- just reminding us that we are loved by God. Maybe that's something that you needed. I know I needed some of those words in, in those songs as well. And so that's a huge part of our Christian walk is sometimes we get stuck or, or trapped and we start to believe things that aren't true and we need to be reminded of, of what is true, of who is, is true. And, uh, and sometimes that happens through the Bible, sometimes it happens through another person, and a lot of times it happens through, through song. That's part of the reason we, we sing every week like we do. So we are, like I said, in week two of Emotions, which is a series talking about our emotions. If you had no idea, uh, well, now you know, okay? And uh, last week, we kind of started talking about just kind of a big overview. Should we be uh, people who only stick to the facts and statistics or and we, and we shove our emotions uh, under the rug or under the bed, so to speak? Or should we be people who are only driven by our emotions? We go by kind of what our culture says, which is like, follow your heart and whatever your heart tells you to do, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, last week we talked about maybe there's a, a better way that is following the, the promises, the truth, uh, the truths, and, and really the heart of, of God. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at specific emotions, and this week is actually going to be that of anxiety, right? Anxiety. And I know that many of you have, have felt anxiety or you've felt anxious about things, and some of you have felt it at different levels than others. Maybe there's somebody in here who is a little bit more like me, where I'm just kind of more like go with the flow, and uh, and whatever happens, happens, and we'll take it one step at a time. But even somebody like me, I just had a few weeks ago, uh, where we were having having all these things that we're doing. We're making some updates to our house, and we're, we're thinking about making more updates that we haven't really decided about, and we just had a, a bunch of different life decisions and things that were happening at the time, and even for somebody like me, who is more go with the flow and just kind of like take it as it comes, and, and we'll get through it, uh, I was like, I told my wife, I was like, babe, I just need to, I need to breathe, like I need to step back from this and, and just stop, and she was like, what, what do you mean, and I was like, this is a lot, like, this feels like a lot, and so she was surprised, I think we both were surprised that it was one of the few times in my life where I've just felt just this, this weight, like, man, there's a lot going on right now, can we, can we slow down, and maybe, maybe you've felt that, 
Anxiety uh, is something that is like crazily on the rise right now. As we have more things that are going on and more things that you can kind of reach out and that you're more and more told that you're supposed to reach out and grab, it, your life can become a little more, more anxious, right? Anxiety is that feeling of, of pressure or weight or responsibility that's like, I just, I, I can't get out from under this, but I want to, I want to, I want to run. And sometimes anxiety and depression go hand in hand because as that weight closes in or, or pushes down on you, it then kind of can bring your whole mood and your emotions down, right? If anxiety is that, that pressure, that weight, then depression is that sadness. And I know that many of you have experienced those things in this room. And if, if you haven't already, you will likely experience some level of anxiety at some point in your life. Uh, one way I, I like to describe anxiety is, uh, is by talking about a dog pile. Has anybody ever been on the bottom of a dog pile? Anybody in this room? The, so a dog pile is not like when a bunch of little puppies come and just pile up on you, right? But the bottom of a dog pile, some moms in the room are shaking their head. Is that because it's unsanitary? It's a nasty place to be? Well, a, the bottom of a dog pile is like, let's say you're, you're just on the floor minding your own business. Maybe you're taking a nap, right? And all of a sudden, everyone in the room decides it's a good idea to jump on top of you, right? And so right now, you've got siblings that are piling on top of you, one, two, three, maybe more. And then for some reason, why in the world they would do this, I don't know, but mom and dad decide to come and pile pile on top of you right now. You got like five or 15 people on top of you. And what first felt like, oh, one person, this kind of feels like like a security blanket, right? Like this is in a weird way comfortable. I'm not going to say it out loud, but it's kind of nice. Uh, I feel safe and secure. When 15 people are on top of you, now you're like, <coughs> I can't breathe, right? And, and I've even heard, I've never seen this, but I've heard of people uh, who end up like passing out because there's so much pressure, right? But that's how a dog pile kind of works. That's how, that's how it starts, right? It's like one person, oh, this isn't so bad. And then another person, uh, how much did you say you weigh, right? Like you're, you're looking up, like check the scales again, brother, sister. Uh, and, and eventually all these people start to pile on you and you can no longer bear the weight. And normally it ends with like somebody screaming, crying, get off me, right? Uh, and, and then you feel, well, I don't know, maybe you laugh, but you, some, some people would feel bad about that. Uh, but that's how life can be, right? Like, let's just talk about school. Sometimes it feels like you've got, you've got this big plate you've got to keep spinning that is school and you've got to keep your grades up. And man, if you're one of these people, well, you're, you're, some of your parents are already talking to you about college. It's like, okay, so I've got to do school, but i also got to be thinking about college. You've got family stuff that's constantly going on, right? You've got friends stuff that's constantly going on. Some, many of you have sports in here. Some of you, a few of you, you might not realize this, but you're sitting next to people who have jobs. Some of your, your middle school friends have jobs in here because I've talked to you about it, right? Some of you are just for making money, but others, it's like you, you have to be a part of helping the family. Uh, some of you, not just with regular family stuff, but, but because of divorce or because of just the way your family is structured right now, you're basically playing the parent in the house, right? And you have to take care of your younger brothers or sisters, or maybe your older brothers or sisters. You have to play parent, and then that doesn't even start to talk about the things like social media stuff. Some of you feel this pressure that is social media that's like, if I don't post something, I might as well not even exist, right? Like I have to post something so people know that I'm still out there, still alive, that I'm not dead at the bottom of a dog pile, right? Like there's all of these things. We could keep going and probably count on 15 of our hands the amount of things that some of us feel like we have to keep going all at the same time. You've maybe heard the phrase before, mo' money, mo' problems. 
My friend Kevin, he understands this because he has so much money and so many problems, right? But mo money, mo problems, it's this idea of like the more money you have, the more responsibility you may have over that money, the more maybe businesses you got going, the more people who are trying to come and, and take some of that money from you. And I think that we're experiencing that in some ways with all of the things that our world, society, families demand of us, that as there are more things that we are supposed to be holding at any one given time or that we're supposed to be reaching towards, moving towards, as there are more of those things, we're going to have more problems. And we're seeing it all across our culture that anxiety is rising, and it's not just rising for the adults in the room, but it's rising for college kids who are, some of you, soon-to-be college kids. It's rising for high schoolers. It's rising for middle schoolers. You guys already know. It's even rising for elementary kids. Your little brothers and sisters or the kids that we see in FG Kids, anxiety is going up all across the board because the funny thing about technology, right, we think that it's supposed to make life easier, but as it makes life easier, for some reason we're told like, oh, now you have to be accountable for more things. Like it's just a really weird, broken, sad system. So what do you do with that? Like what do you do with anxiety? Well, here's Here's the first thing I hope you just learned or maybe for the first time or we're reminded of as we're talking is that you're not alone in your anxiety. Sometimes it's really easy to feel that pressure, feel like you literally are the only one at the bottom of the dog pile, but there's dog piles all around you. You just can't see them. And and many people, even in here right now, are struggling with anxiety. You're not alone. I, I've talked to, to many of you. I've talked to many of your friends uh, through, throughout the weeks just here in my office. They, they come by because they want to talk about the anxiety and the pressure that they're feeling. Talk, talk, about, talk with some of you guys about it all, all the time. It's, it's very real. So what do, what do we do with that? Well, thankfully, remember last week we talked about Jesus, how, how somebody went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right? The four gospels in the Bible, the, the four pictures of, of a big, uh, important section of Jesus's life, his three years of ministry. And, and somebody went through all four of those books of the Bible, and they found that Jesus showed about 39 different emotions during his life, which is really good news, uh, because at, at one point, like, I was just kind of thinking, oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I lo- like he's like a love robot, right? But, but Jesus had many more emotions than just love. It wasn't like he wasn't loving at times, but, but he had other emotions too. And that's really good news because now when we look at the life of Jesus, we, we can know he experienced, he understands, he gets it when it comes to the crazy emotions that we feel in our regular life too. It, it, and if that's not a big deal to you, I mean, it's just this difference of like God is far away, he doesn't understand, he doesn't get it. But when it starts to connect in your head, no, like he, he lived it, he's walked it, he's been through it, maybe even, as we'll see in just a minute, uh, maybe even to a further extent that we ever realized or that we may ever experience our, ourselves. Not to belittle our own emotions, but Jesus had the full range uh, himself. And, and at times that can be extremely comforting. So we're gonna look at a time in Jesus's life where it seems like he experienced deep, like even painful, like definitely I want to get out of this anxiety. And it's in Mark chapter 14. 
You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. We're going to read 10, about 10 verses, verses uh, 32 to 30 uh, to 42, sorry. And, uh, and this is a time, this is right before, I know we just had Easter a couple weeks ago, so, but we're kind of going backwards. This is like right before Easter, right before the biggest moments in Jesus's life, his, his death on the cross, and then a, a few days later, his resurrection from the grave, right? This was in the garden of Gethsemane. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, Gethsemane. Now say it three times fast, Gethsemane, Gethsemane. It's really hard not to say it without a lisp, right? Gethsemane, Gethsemane. Jesus goes to this garden. This actually was a place where, where he went mo- many times in his ministry. It would have been like kind of his place, uh, just him and the father, right? I don't know if you have some maybe grandparents or even your parents in your life who are like, this is my God chair, right? Like this is where I go to just be me and God and, and sometimes a cup of coffee and every now and then my little kitty, right? Like I don't know if that's one of your grandparents. I've known people like that in my life. I wish I had that, that like one Spot. I feel like I have multiple spots right now. Maybe I need to, to have one. But this was a place where Jesus would go to pretty regularly. It was, it was quiet, kind of a private, more private garden, more private space. And uh, so here's an instance where we see him coming right before he was about to be, right after this, he would be uh, arrested, put on trial, crucified, uh, died on the cross, buried, three days later, rise again. So it's like right before all the things that we associate with Easter, right? We're going to read these 10 verses, and then we're going to walk through them uh, in a minute, okay? So let's read through them, kind of get a, a big picture of what's going on, and then we'll come back and see what does it have to say about anxiety. Here we go, verse 32. And they, that's Jesus and his disciples, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Remember, this is Jesus talking. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, praying the same, or saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, and for, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into my hands, into the hands of sinners. Uh, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. All right, so we're going to walk through here. There's a few things I think that we can take from uh, this moment in Jesus' life about how to deal really not just with anxiety, although that seems to be one of the biggest emotions that Jesus is dealing with here, uh, but really with any, any range of emotions. So this is, again, right before Jesus was going to be arrested and then put on trial to be crucified. And so he, he's talking, he's saying something. He's like, hey, Lord, take this. If it's possible, just let this hour pass. Take this cup from me. Here's literally what he's asking before we start to walk through it. He's, he's basically saying, God, if it's possible, let's not do this whole crucifixion thing. Like if there's any other way, take this 
from me. Take the pain that he's about to endure, the weight of the, the, the world's sins on his shoulders. He's feeling that to the point that if you read about this same moment in Jesus's life, if you read about it in the book of Luke, Luke talks about how Jesus is praying and he's sweating blood because the anxiety, the just, just the, the thinking about processing all that he's about to endure is so heavy for him. You think Jesus never experienced anxiety about coming situation? Man, that, that he, he, he literally says right here, says in verse 34, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. In verse 33, he's, he says that he is greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus is experiencing anxiety right here. Interestingly enough, this would have been like some of the very first Christians in the early church. This was actually a moment that they went back to in Jesus's life. And they they went back to it specifically when they were at points where they were about to be uh, persecuted, maybe even put to death. It was a reminder, hey, I know that you are experiencing some cr- a crazy range of emotions right now as you think about dying, as you think about persecution. Like not, we're not talking about just, hey, you Christian, right? But we're talking about, no, people literally coming after them, coming after their families because of what they believed in, putting them in jail, persecuting them, mocking them, beating them. And in the early church, it would have been a, a time in Jesus' life that the church leaders were, would point back to and say, hey, remember our Savior in the garden. Remember as he was wrestling with some of the same emotions that you are feeling, sensing right now. Remember that moment. So what were, what were some things that maybe they would have talked about? Maybe they would have encouraged each other with. Maybe they would have pointed each other towards when it comes to this image about the garden. Well, the first one is probably that, hey, Jesus can relate. That as much as you're not alone in your anxiety because there's even people in this room, you're not alone in your anxiety because Jesus himself, God himself, has experienced that emotion. There's a few things, though, that Jesus actually seems to, to do and in no particular order other than how they appear in the text. We're going to talk about them this morning. So they go to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus says to his, to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Remain here and watch. Here's the first thing that we see is kind of interesting in in how Jesus is dealing with his emotions and just the things that are playing out is he's not alone when he's dealing with them, right? Like there's actually times where we see Jesus go away, like he goes away from all the disciples, from any other people, and he gets away by himself. But interestingly enough, at this time, right before his arrest, he's sensing that something's happening. He knows what's about to come, right? And this time he invites his disciples to go with him. He's got people there. We see that he asks them, hey, watch, keep watch. And he knows he's about to be arrested. Maybe they're gonna come for him in the garden. And then he also invites them to pray. Like, be here with me, pray with me, pray for me. He tells them, right? He outs, he he says to them, it's not like he's just thinking, but he says, hey, friends, specifically to Peter, James, and John, I am greatly troubled and distressed right now. I'm feeling this to the point of death. Like, this isn't just things he was thinking, but it was things he was saying to who? To his friends. Will you be there with me? Physically, physically, but also in prayer. 
So the first thing I, th- I think we can take from what Jesus is, is doing here as he deals with his anxiety is that he, he talks to others. He invites them in. When you're dealing with, with your anxiety, or again, with any range of emotions, because I think this can apply to so much more than just anxiety, but do you have people that you go to? When you're anxious about a test, like it could be something big or small. When you're anxious about a test or even a quiz or just a project that you have to turn in, or when you got things going on at home and you don't know what, what to do, you don't know how to, how to balance everything, who is it that you turn to? Is it a, a parent or a friend or a mentor? Do you know that, that you can come to, to church and talk with people here, whether they're on staff or do you, do you know that there are people who care about you? and want to talk with you about what you're going through. There's people who will pray for you. Who, who is that person for you? So we see Jesus inviting his disciples in, which is pretty, pretty awesome, pretty wild. Verse 35, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground. Here's, here's number two. He fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Before we read the rest of that verse, here's the second part right here. Is Jesus, not only does he talk to others, but he talks to God. He talks to the Father. Jesus talks to the Father in a similar way. He's pouring out his heart, just like he did to his friends. He's pouring out his heart to God the Father. Doesn't God already know? Like, isn't he already aware? You would think, like, he, he knows what's going on in all of our hearts, all of our minds, and so surely he knows what's going on in his son. But Jesus models for us here, no, th- this relationship with God is meant to be just that, a real relationship. So share what's going on. Tell God what's on your heart. Ask for help when you feel like you need help. Cast your anxieties on him. That's actually what, what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 tells us to do. Cast your anxieties on him knowing that he cares for you. Knowing that he wants your anxieties. Know that, knowing that he's there to carry those things for you and, and sometimes with you. Cast your anxieties on him. But yet, yet how many of us, when we... Are anxious, we're just like, well, I just gotta like, I just gotta tough it through, and I'm gonna get this thing done, and and that's it, right? We just power through it, we just tough through it. We think that that's what we're supposed to do. When the reality is, like, even if nobody else is around, because maybe you're like, I, I don't really have anybody to talk to right now, so what am I gonna do about this? Even when nobody else is around, you can turn to God the Father. You don't have to get away to a garden. You don't have to run into the bathroom before a test, right? Like. You can if, if you've got a garden, if you need to go to the bathroom, I guess, like, like if that's a possibility. But, but you can just do it right in your seat. You can turn to God and give him your anxieties. Jesus here, it's kind of interesting, Abba, Father. That's one of three times that we see that in the whole New Testament. Matthew all the way to Revelation, this word Abba, Father, literally means Daddy. Daddy. Maybe for some of you that sounds weird, that sounds uncomfortable, but Jesus is like at this most vulnerable of places in his emotional state right here. And he calls out, Daddy, I need you. If it's possible, take this cup from me. So talk to others, talk to God. And then this second part of Jesus' prayer, this is kind of the, the number three point, the final point for this morning. Talk to God, talk to others, talk to your emotions. Jesus says, yet not what I will, but 
what you will. Jesus was only ever doing, John tells us, Jesus was only ever doing what the Father asked of him. All the time, everywhere Jesus went, all the things that he said, all the things that he did, he was only ever doing what God the Father willed, what God the Father wanted. And so when Jesus is experiencing these emotions, he's pouring out his heart. He's telling God the Father how he feels. He says, hey, if it's possible, let's, like, let's, let's find another way to do this. Take this cup from me. Let this hour pass. But here's what he knows the whole time, is that there's a bigger plan, that God the Father is still fully in control, and that not my will be done. Hey, if that's not what's supposed to happen, then your will your will be done through it all. And much like we talked about when we started this morning, that some of those songs, some of you guys needed them this morning because you've been buying into lies. Some of you needed them this morning because you've been trapped and struggling, because you've been, maybe you've been identifying yourself based on your emotions. Maybe some of you are even sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I hear you, like, talk to others, talk to God. But I've just decided that I'm just that anxious kid. I know that there are a few of you in this room who have decided that for the rest of your life, think about this, you're 12, 13, 14, you've decided for the rest of your life, you're just gonna struggle with anxiety. I know you have. You've decided, I guess there's no way that I can ever get over this. There's no way that it's ever gonna stop. And, and I'm, I'm not here to say, hey, no, if you do these things, then you will never struggle with anxiety again. But I do wanna let you know that if that's what you've bought into, then that will be your reality. And that if you never, if you never invite God to do anything, then, then maybe, maybe you will just be stuck there forever. But that sounds like a terrible place to be. That sounds, in some ways, like hell on earth. And sometimes we play some part in, in creating that. Hell is in the Bible. Okay, some of you are like, can you say that? Sometimes we play a part in creating that. But God is asking us, inviting us to no longer identify ourselves by our emotions, no longer identify ourselves as the anxious kid, as the depressed kid, as the whatever you would insert there. But to fight those emotions and fight those lies with the truth of who he says we are. That we are loved. That we are cared for. That we have a a heavenly father that we are his children, that we are kingdom kids, that as anxious as we may be, that he can provide us with peace and make us a person of peace. So when you're dealing with anxiety, who do you have to turn to? What does it look like for you to turn to God? And what truths do you need to be reminded of to combat the lies to fight your emotions because remember, your heart is deceitful. Your heart is not always telling you the truth. Your emotions are not always right. In fact, I'd say rarely. But, but trusting in God, that's never gonna lead you wrong. His promise is never gonna lead you wrong. Casting your anxieties on him, not, never a bad idea. Finding your identity in him, that's where, that's where life is found. I think that as our world gets more and more anxious, and I'm telling you right now, it's not going to stop. What's, what's going to stop it? Science? How, how are pills working for people? 
Some, some people need, you, sometimes you might need pills for your anxiety or your depression. I'm not belittling that. I think that, that that can be a good idea for people. But it's not fixing it. It's not taking it all away. Is more money going to help? We're the richest country that's ever been. How are we doing with anxiety and depression? Families? Our culture's not doing a whole lot to support families. The only thing that's going to provide peace for us, for our world, is the king of, of peace, the prince of peace. The one who provides peace that surpasses all understanding. You're going to find no other place for that kind of peace than with him. Imagine if our world, our anxious world, were to start to see us as non-anxious people, people who were trusting in God, people who were letting his peace guide us and not our anxiety. People who, even when we were experiencing anxiety, we were quick to talk with others about it, talk with God about it, or fight it with, with truth. Imagine what would happen. I think it would change quite a bit. And in Jesus' name, may that start to happen, even among us. Let me pray. God, I know the, the weight, the feeling of anxiety I don't know it as well as some people in this room. I do not know it as well as Jesus knew it and knows it. But, but you, you know. You know the weightiness. You know the, the, that feeling of being at a dog pile that just does not seem to let up, being on the bottom of that dog pile. I pray for people in this room right now, students, adults, who are experiencing that kind of anxiety. God, I just pray for peace. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would provide comfort. We pray for all of us in this room that whenever we encounter anxiety, that we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus how he dealt with those deep, real emotions. Give us people to talk to. Give us, remind us that you are always there. Remind us of truth when we need it most. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.